Hey friends, thank you so much for joining in on this week's episode. Today we're discussing restoring the zeal. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Cast the Word. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments on the topic, restoring the zeal. And our scripture today will be pulled from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And I want to read this in the Passion Translation as well, because I think that it really speaks more clearly about what we're trying to get at today. And that scripture says in the Passion Translation, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up, in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. In the New Living Translation, we read verses 11 and 12, read it like this, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Another word for zeal is great energy or enthusiasm. To prevent being lazy, we've got to work. We must have great energy and enthusiasm. From time to time, laziness is something that comes to all of us, and it comes to us rather easily if we let it. And it's something that I'm sure we can all relate to at certain points in our life. But some people are so lazy that they don't exercise good judgment. And I've been there as well. But we are to be fervent followers of Christ. The word fervent in verse 11 derives from the Greek word zeo. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which means to have great fervor, pictured as something boiling or seething, like a pot of water boiling over. And unfortunately for many church leaders and members alike, we've become stagnant or maybe even too focused on entertaining men rather than pleasing God. We've become comfortable in our weekly rituals of attending church. We know when to praise God. We know when to say amen to the preacher, and we know when to clap our hands. But if we're not diligent, we can find ourselves going through the motions. Our hearts may not even be in it. And we read many verses in Isaiah and in the Old Testament, in the prophetic books, where there's reference to the Israelites at at that time, maybe doing things with their hands to the Lord or attending the sanctuary or talking to the Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from them. This is not the Christian walk that Jesus wants for us. He wants a passionate relationship with him. He wants us to give him the best that we have to offer. We must not lose the zeal. We must not become complacent, and we must move forward, or else we're going to become at ease in Zion. We see a picture of that in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord spoke, saying, You've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey. And go to the mountains of the Amorites. I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. The Lord is a God of forward momentum. 
He doesn't want us lingering in one place for too long. Like he spoke to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, you've dwelt at this mountain long enough. The Lord is a God that doesn't look back, but instead instructs us to move forward, to take the land, to not become complacent, to not become stagnant. And thank God he doesn't look back at us. Our sins are cast away as far as the east is from the west, and I thank him for being a God that looks forward. No longer are we to think about the things that are behind us. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. God is speaking to his bride today, telling us to move forward, forget the past, and push on to greater things. We've dwelt in this position, in this place long enough. It's time to move a bit higher in the spirit. It's time to possess the land. It's time to restore the zeal, and it's time to move forward. The church must return to praying our sins away instead of sinning our prayers away. So there's a few points I want to make here to help us uh, maintain or restore the zeal in your life today. If you feel like you're on fire for God, that's great. These are some tips to help us maintain that. If you feel that you've been on fire for God more maybe looking back than you are in this present time, then maybe these tips will help us restore that zeal in our life. The first point I want to make, which I've already hit on, is don't be spiritually lazy. To not be slothful, we must have spiritual energy to fight off the wiles and the temptations of the enemy. We must be battle-ready or else the devil will catch us in a weak moment and throw us off our course. We have to put on the full armor of God and use the weapons that God has given us. What are the weapons of war, we might ask? That's the word, prayer, faith, and praise and worship. If the church remains weaponless, we become passionless. If we become passionless, we lose our zeal and our anointing. If we lose our zeal, then we become lukewarm, like the church that we read about in Revelation, the church of Laodicea. And by God's grace, I refuse to be lukewarm. I refuse to be passionless for my God, who has saved me, delivered me, sanctified me, and and continues working in me, continues to sanctify me going forward. If you feel like you're doing your part just by attending church, then I challenge you to reconsider. Habitual attendance is not equal to zealous discipleship. If you think you're a Christian and on your way to heaven just because you're you go to church, think again. You can sleep in a garage, but that doesn't make you a car. We've got to have that relationship, right? And we talk about that a lot in this podcast. It's not so much about our actions as much as it is about our faith in God. Actions, of course, are important. Don't get me wrong. But it's more about our faith, our commitment to to God, our commitment to Jesus, our faith in the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And that isn't just sitting in a church pew and listening to a preacher. That requires us to, to do something. That requires us to, to have faith talk, to have faith walk. We must be on fire for God. We must have passion. We must abide in Him, and that does take work. We must stand flat-footed with square shoulders, boldly proclaiming that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's got to be something inside of us that burns for God and refuses to give him anything but our very best. We've got to fight the good fight of faith and and endure the race. There's got to be something inside of us that rises up 
and says, I'm going to serve God. I don't care who around me is serving God. I don't care who around me isn't serving God. I don't really care what the world has to say about my faith to God because my mind is made up. Because ultimately, this is not a team effort. And while we should not forsake the assembling together, at the end of the day, my race is solo one. I want answer to God all by myself. So I'm going to fight my fight. I'm going to make it to heaven by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. To not be lazy, to not be a sloth, and to not be lukewarm, we've got to stay in the word. We've got to stay in prayer. And we've got to maintain a mindset and a spirit of continuous worship to God. Psalms 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. I urge you to take time out of your day every day to spend quality time with Jesus through his word and in prayer. Without prayer and meditation in the word, then the enemy will succeed in stealing, killing, and destroying your mind, soul, and spirit. But through prayer, through the word, and through worship, the enemy's devices are not as fruitful. Through prayer, you have your armor up around you, and the enemy is vulnerable and weakened, and all it takes is a few times of you saying, it's written, and he'll flee. A great preacher, Leonard Ravenhill, once said, Lord, teach us to pray again. No more of the small bless me prayers. We must move forward. We must move from, Lord, bless me, keep me, watch me. Lord, help me succeed. Lord, help me pay the bills. We've got to move past those prayers. And don't misunderstand, the Lord wants to bless you, and he wants to make sure that you have everything you need in this world to to sustain your life. To, to be able to pay your bills and to have the finances to do that, that's not my point. My point is we must not linger in those prayers. We must want to go deeper than that. If the only time we're praying to God is praying with our hands open, asking God to help us, then we've got to go deeper than that. We've got to learn to pray with power, pray with conviction and authority. We need to be praying, God, help me to know you. Reveal yourself to me. Are you sick in your body, mind, or spirit? Then we've got to pray. Do you feel defeated in your life or at school or at work with your friends? Then we've got to pray. Do you have lost loved ones around you or lost friends that, that haven't found Christ yet? We've got to pray. Do you want to experience an authentic, genuine, rich relationship with Jesus? Then the answer is prayer. Without prayer, we have nothing. We conquer nothing. We achieve nothing. But through prayer, all things are possible to them that believe. Romans 12, 12 tells us to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Ravenhill also once said, no man is greater than his prayer life. So what does your prayer life look like today? Is God pleased with how much the church is on her face today? Or is the church too focused on fostering a, an atmosphere that's pleasing to the world? Only God knows that that answer fully, but we've got to worry more about our, ourselves. This is an individual game here. This is an individual walk. We've got to worry about our relationship with God if we're going to change the world around us. The second point to restoring the zeal is those pet sins. We've got to get rid of them. Hebrews 12.1 talks about that. James 4.7-8 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We cannot have zeal and compassion while also enduring the guilt of our iniquity. We must grow up. We've got to mature past that daily habitual sinning and clinging to our flesh. 
And of course, we're not talking about sinless perfection here. We all mess up, but we've got to wash our hands and feet along the way. If we mess up, we've got to pick ourselves up and and dust our, our feet off and dust our knees off and pray, God, wash me, wash my hands, wash my feet, help me to be better in the future. What I'm saying here is to lay aside that pet sin, lay it down at the foot of the cross. And of course, staying in the word and prayer and staying in the spirit of worship, we're better prepared to fight that temptation when it does come up, and it will. We all have that weakness. We all have that pet sin. You know what yours is. I know what mine is. And the enemy knows what our weaknesses are too. And if we're not battle ready, he's going to remind us and he's going to tempt us. And if we're not ready for it, we may succumb to that temptation. We must not be ignorant of his devices, but instead stand ready. We cannot have zeal. We cannot have passion or enthusiasm for God if we're stuck in bondage. I believe that. We can't be set free if we're stuck in that bondage. And if we are in that position, we've got to pray for deliverance. And I believe God will deliver us. But we must first and foremost want to get rid of that. I don't think God's going to deliver us from anything that we're not ready to give up ourselves. God has given us free will. If it if God knows our heart and he knows that this is something that we want to participate in, whatever that habitual sin or, or pet sin is, I don't think God's going to rid us of that. I think we need to have at least some desire to want to get rid of it. Yeah, the temptation is strong. Yeah, we may give into it. God, help us to overcome that. Help me to be you know, 100% willing to get rid of it. Help me to be delivered from this bondage. Oftentimes we give lip service saying we want to be delivered, but God knows our heart. God knows that maybe at this moment we're not ready to get rid of that sin, and we've got to be honest with ourselves and, and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us along the way. Another Leonard Ravenhill quote challenges us with this question, how can we pull down strongholds if we don't even have the strength to turn off the TV? Wow, that really paints a picture there. We've got to be honest with ourselves. It takes diligence. It takes fervency. It takes fire on the altar to pull down strongholds. And the truth is we can't do it alone. We've got to humbly bow before our king and pray for deliverance. The only way to achieve success in eliminating pet sins is to participate in my first point, to not be spiritually lazy. We've got to eliminate our spiritual laziness if we're going to restore that zeal and maintain that that zeal. We have to pray. We have to stand the word. We have to maintain that posture. Like I said, we can't fight off the enemy and his clan on our own. We've got to have the, our spiritual armor on. Without it, all we have is our flesh. Then we'll want to do nothing more than to participate in our pet sins. And the third point in order to restore or maintain that zeal is that we've got to have a deep desire to want to know more of God. God wants us to seek Him. God wants us to abide in Him. John 15 tells us all about abiding in the vine. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Read that chapter. It talks all about abiding in the vine and the benefits of doing so and the judgment of not doing so, if you will, the the repercussions of what will happen if we're not. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you seek him, you'll find him, and you will be rewarded. Let me ask you this. Is your love and passion for God boiling hot, or are you lukewarm? Be honest with yourself. Do you worship like you once did? Do you 
Do you worship like you know you should? Do you pray like you know you should? Are you seeking Him as much as you know that you should be seeking Him? Think back on a time in your life where maybe you were the most on fire for God. Do you still feel that same way today? If you ask yourself that and you say, well, actually, right now I'm more on fire for God than I ever have been. Praise God for it. Maintain that zeal. Don't lose it. If you do ask yourself those questions and you do feel like, you know, maybe my spiritually best days are behind me, then I encourage you to dive deeper, desire more, and I believe God will give it. Never be content with where you are. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. Are we truly seeking him the way that he wants us to seek him? I keep quoting Leonard Ravenhill, but his words really spoke to my heart while studying for this message. And to be honest, I I love his preachings. I love his teachings, and he's got the best one-liners that I've ever heard a preacher uh, use. Uh, Another quote by him says, The only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. So I ask again, are we truly on fire the way that God wants us to be? Are we truly desiring more of him the way he wants us to the message translation reads Romans 12, 11 like this. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflamed. I want to deposit this concept into your spirit today. Don't be stagnant. Don't be apathetic. Don't be comfortable. Be fervent in spirit. Seek out the Lord. Think about your spiritual walk with God. Are you stagnant right now? Are you happy with where you are? Don't be content. Keep moving. Keep progressing. Keep going deeper. Keep getting stronger. Keep maturing. We need to break that that spirit of complacency and stagnation that is preventing us from being all that God has called us to be. It's time once again for the Lord to pour out His Spirit and to restore the zeal of His bride, and I believe He's going to do that for me and for you in 2021. Amen. In conclusion, just like we read earlier in Deuteronomy 1 verse 6, and I think I might have mentioned this verse uh, in a previous episode as well, but we've sat around this mountain for too long, friends. It's time for us to progress. It's time for us to keep moving, looking ahead, fueling the flames of our altar along the way and stirring up that gift. It's time for us to restore the zeal. Or perhaps after hearing this message, we realize we've never had zeal at all to be a strong child of God. If you still have the zeal, I encourage you again, don't lose it. Don't become complacent or stagnant. If you've never had it, take these these points to heart. I, I pray that it's spoken to you, and, and I pray that it's, it's birthed a desire for you to want to go a little bit deeper into the Word or in prayer or in worship. Because as soon as we become comfortable, then we're only doing ourselves a disservice. We're not tapping into the full potential that God desires out of us. The Word doesn't teach us to stay in one place spiritually. We've got a hunger for more. We've got a thirst for more. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. So I leave you with these questions. Are we still seeking? Are we still knocking? Do we have the diligence and the fervency that Paul describes in Romans in that verse we read at the beginning? If we have room to improve, then I pray that we have the discernment to recognize that and take the steps necessary to improve it. And I pray that he's going to restore our zeal or maintain our zeal or birth a zeal inside of us today. Friends, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. Stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time.